0: Our scripture lessons today, for those who will be listening later, come from 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 13 through 18, Psalm 86, verses 11 through 17, Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25, and Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30, and 36 through 43. Very few people know this, but I like model rocketry. I'm not talking about the little ones that most people are used to from the company known as Estes that sells rocket engine sizes A, B, C, and D. No, I'm talking about rockets as big as I am or bigger with engine sizes ranging from E through N. Engine's so powerful that you have to get special hazmat shipping to get them sent to you. I'm gonna tell you right up front that this is a terrible hobby. Rockets typically cost over $200 and require dozens of hours to assemble. Yes, dozens. They are often made of fiberglass, which needs to be sanded and washed. You can't use regular model glue. It takes high-quality epoxy, which you mix for yourself, the kind that is used to repair boats. Each part has to be painstakingly assembled at the perfect angle so that the rocket will fly straight. After the whole thing is done, then some paint it with very expensive, shiny automobile paint. Most people even use fancy electronics to blow the nose cone off and, so that the parachute will deploy, which, while telling you how high it went and where to find the rocket. All of this for flight lasting Just a couple of minutes. Honestly, for most people, it's not worth it. One could say the same thing about the hassle God goes through with us. Why does he put up with all the mess we create? Jesus gives us a little insight with his parable of the weeds and the wheat, which is nestled in a whole slew of parables and is even interrupted by three short parables as recorded in Matthew 13. The parable of the weeds and wheat is clearly a lesson on judgment, so what does it have to tell us? Don't we already understand all we need to know about the judgment? Actually, this parable tells us a lot about the nature of God. He planted, he is patient, he permits, he predestines, and he prioritizes. Please apologize, I apologize for my alliteration, it just came out that way. In Jesus' parable, the landowner planted only good seed. He did so for a harvest to come. He wanted to fill his barn with wheat. But then we have the question from his servants. How then has it weeds? The landowner knew the weeds came from his enemy. There's a great deal of biblical truth in this scenario. God, the landowner, planted only good seed. Adam and Eve were sinless at creation. The fall and our sin nature did not come from God. We can't blame Him for that. The enemy is the one who enticed our original parents away from the loving Creator. And today, many choose to reject the gospel message and be weeds. God is not at fault for that. He doesn't want that, but He allows us that freedom. Some people say, how could a good and loving God allow innocent children to die, or allow the horrors of war, or any number of other calamities? The answer is fairly simple, though I would warn that no answer could heal the ache of someone who is in the midst of deep suffering. Firstly, God didn't create us as automatons who have no choice but to obey. We have free will. And in our free will, we often choose to disregard God. As a result, our entire world is corrupted and evil affects everyone. This possibility is inherent in the freedom to choose. And secondly, all hardships are intended to draw us closer to God, to rely on Him. It also reminds us that this is not our eternal home. Finally, all suffering is temporary, and we who remain faithful will receive an eternal reward that is vastly greater than any hardships endured in this life. He didn't create those hardships, but He didn't prevent us from suffering the consequences of our actions. In short, we shouldn't blame God for allowing suffering, He planted only good seed. After planting, God was patient. The parable of Jesus says in verse 30, Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Why would he do that? Why not take care of the weeds right away? The previous two verses answers that question. Then a the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. The reason for letting both grow together was because it was hard to tell the weeds from the wheat. It is only when the good fruit appears that it becomes clear. Wheat has its edible fruit that gives life to others, while weeds produce nothing of value and only take up sunlight and minerals from the earth. In other words, Wheat gives while weeds take. Every year, for the last several years, my boys have planted a tiny garden. They have planted tomatoes, melons, cucumbers, and strawberries, among other things. Now, I'm not saying anything you don't already know about children when I say that they're not known for being patient. And plants take time to grow, lots of time. So over the years, my boys have had to learn to be patient. The landowner in the parable had to be patient, waiting for his crops to grow, not knowing until the harvest how much good wheat he was going to get. God is patient with us. He gives us time to grow. He gives us time to learn from our mistakes and ask for forgiveness. Many people would love it if Jesus returned today. Wouldn't that be great? But he is waiting until the right time, giving us as much time as is helpful to come to him so that his barn will be full at the harvest. I'm sure we all have family and friends who do not know Christ. If the harvest were today, then they would have no more time. It would be too late for them. Thankfully, God is patient. Directly related to God's patience, is that he permits the weeds and wheat to grow together. The world is a better place for the presence of the wheat. To plant anything in ancient Israel, farmers had to do a lot of work to prepare the soil. It was very rocky, so the rocks would have to be dug up and removed. If it was hilly country, the fields may have to have dirt moved around to flatten the field. If the soil wasn't good, there were various ways of treating it to improve the nutrient content. All this work was done for the wheat. The weeds benefited as well, though none of that was done for them. When I was at West Point, I met a number of cadets that were struggling with being Christian and yet being trained to take another's life if needed in times of war. That was one of the biggest issues our chaplain had to deal with on a regular basis. I'll never forget one thing he said. Do you think the army would be a better place without Christians? The answer to that question should be a resounding no. If we are truly faithful, every organization we are part of and everyone around us benefits from our walking with Jesus. But don't the weeds hurt the wheat? Yes. They absolutely can. We've probably all had experiences where someone tried and maybe succeeded in getting us to do something we knew was wrong. We paid a price for that, if not tangibly, spiritually. It's not easy being wheat in a field with weeds present. Life is harder for us as a result. But in a world where God grants us free will to choose good or bad, Christ as Lord or self as Lord, there will always be weeds among the wheat. God permits that. As always, we have to be very careful not to read too much into this parable, but we can't ignore the message that God predestines. If we took this parable very literally, then we would say that our ability to determine our eternal destiny is no greater than it is for weeds to become wheat. Two kinds of seeds were planted, and every seed planted by the landowner grew up to be wheat, while every seed planted by the enemy was a weed. At no point can can a weed cease to be a weed, and neither can wheat cease to be wheat." Theologically, this is known as double predestination. It's the belief that if there is predestination of some to heaven, then there must also be predestination of the rest to damnation. While some Christians might agree with these statements, this isn't what this parable is teaching. Predestination is not the point of this parable any more than you can say that Yahweh was taken by surprise that some people chose not to follow him. Verse 25 says, the enemy came while everyone was asleep. Is God taken unaware? That's reading too much into this parable, more than was intended. However, there is a hint of predestination that we can take from this parable. There will be a harvest in the eschaton. Some will receive their eternal reward, while some will receive eternal damnation. That's indisputable from this text and many others. And there are plenty of references to predestination in the Bible. What are we to take from that? After 400 years of Calvinistic influence on the church, it would appear to some that either one has to deny predestination altogether or accept double predestination, though at the same time we rail against the seeming unfairness of it all. We want to choose. Doesn't our experience tell us that we chose Christ of our own free will? I don't find clear evidence in the Bible for individual predestination. However, there is clear predestination of the church. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, On this rock I will build my church, and the powers of death shall not prevail against it. Jesus promised us that his church will not fail. That's predestination. The wheat will be gathered into the barn. That's guaranteed. So while the parable says nothing about the predestination of individual souls, it is clear that the field isn't entirely weeds. The last P is that God prioritizes. Why did he do all this? What's it all for? It's all about the wheat. The landowner didn't plant seeds for the weeds. The only reason he went through all this trouble was to fill his barn with wheat. And as our passage said today, in eternity, the wheat will shine like the sun. In the parable, this is analogous to Christians being with Christ forever in eternity. That's what this is all about. Christ's love for us means that not only is it worth the effort to obtain the harvest of good wheat, but also that the wheat is worth protecting. Remember, when the servants asked the landowner if they should pull the weeds when they first started to grow, the landowner said not to, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat with them. He didn't want to risk harming the wheat, because it is so precious to him. The wheat is valuable and must be protected and allowed to grow among the weeds until the time is complete and the fruit is revealed. In this parable, Jesus reveals the nature of God and says to us, you are of the greatest value to me. I love you and have done all this for you. But until the end of the world, there will always be weeds among you. Stand firm, because I have predestined my church to victory. No other message of the world can compete with this or overcome it. You can ignore all the negative messages you perceive, whether it's about your lack of talent, education, wealth, or good looks. That's just the weeds talking. Through communion, we experience our Lord's message of love. We also demonstrate that we are Christ's victorious church. Through faith in Christ, you are wheat and are intended for our Father's barn. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.